This is Subversity, the public affairs show that penetrates the orange curtain, smashes conventional norms, and transgresses more and more boundaries each week here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Orange County. The opinions and views expressed in this program by no means reflect those of UCI, its staff, or the Board of Regents of the University of California. Welcome to another edition of Subversity here on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, this is Dan Zhang uh, with Subversity. Uh, today, uh, before we go to the meat of our program, we're going to have some news updates. Um, on uh, Earlier this week, uh, the ACLU uh, was able to win an uh, important lawsuit uh, that would guarantee the rights of people that file complaints against the police. Today is uh, police uh, uh, speaking out against police brutality day around the country and on um, September 29 no on uh, sorry on October uh, 20th uh, the ACLU announced a landmark victory uh, in a court case in the federal court case the ACLU overturned California law that allows police to sue individuals who lodge complaints against them California is the only state that had such a law, which uh, the ACLU was arguing would intimidate people from filing complaints. And so um, I, I read one account in which the police said that only 10% of the complaints were false. Does that mean, mean the 90% were true? Um, anyway, um, the ACLU won this case, so now this law is gone, so that you cannot be libeling the police if you file complaints against them. So it guarantees the rights of complainants to um, seek uh, justice against police brutality. Uh, also, uh, this week uh, on this campus, uh, we've uh, found the presence of uh, CIA recruiters on Wednesday. They came to a UCI technical fair, and in the process, they violated uh, the demonstrators' rights. There were demonstrators there who were demonstrating against the presence of CIA on this campus. And um, the demonstrators passed out a leaflet that says CIA off, camp off UCI campus. Uh, the CIA is recruiting at UC Irvine today. And they said they said, passed this out on Wednesday. You can do something about this. We oppose the CIA being on campus because of its dark history of overthrowing governments and killing people. It also spies on Americans by violating the, U violating the US Privacy Act. It arrogantly believes it has the right to spy on Americans and permanent residents when we exercise our First Amendment protected rights. As an ACLU lawsuit by a UCI librarian and activist uncovered, the CIA settled his case out of court by paying $46,000 and promising not to spy on him again, and refusing, but refused to make the same promise not to spy on other Americans or permanent residents as the Privacy Act requires. 
At the request of his legal team, the CIA has changed its website to no longer say that it does not spy on Americans. If you are looking for a job, we ask, think twice before you sign away your life and your freedom of speech. Did you know that if you work for the CIA, you must clear all writings with the company even after you have left the agency? The clearance requirement applies for life. Also, you cannot disclose anything uh, that the CIA considers important to national security, whatever that is, and the CIA decides that. So educate yourself. At libraries such as UCI Main Library, there are many books and magazines that will educate you about the truth of the spy agency. They include Covert Action Quarterly, Dark Alliance, the CIA, the Contras, and the Crack Cocaine Explosion by Gary Webb, The Politics of Heroin, CIA Complicity in the Global Drug Trade by Alfred McCoy, Inside the Company, CIA Diary by former CIA officer Philip Agee. Philip Agee also uh, helped compile with Lewis Wolfe, Dirty Work, the CIA in Western Europe. Uh, Philip Agee also wrote his biography, On the Run. And there's another book that compiles CIA interventions around the world, Killing Hope by Bill Bloom, William Bloom, and also an updated version, The CIA, A Forgotten History, U.S. Global Interventions Since World War II. Then there's a book on the CIA and the JFK assassinations, uh, assassination, Let Justice Be Done, New Light on the G Jim Garrison Investigation by William Davey, and another book by a former CIA officer in Cuba, Taiwan, and Vietnam, Deadly Deceits, My 25 Years in the CIA, and another book by another officer, Melvin Beck, Secret Contenders, The Myth of Cold War Counterintelligence. Uh, this leaflet was put out by a group called The People Against Spying, and you can write them at subvert or S-U-B-V-E-R-T-A-L-L at hotmail.com. Uh, they will be out there uh, protesting. The CIA will return to campus on Tuesday at 4 o'clock at the Career Center, at UCI's Career Center, to meet in private with the students that signed up. Uh, on campus, they sent, uh, it was a minority recruitment for the CIA. Uh, they sent uh, two Asians and a black recruiter to this campus that is majority Asian. And guess what? A lot of people of color showed up. But when these protesters talked to the people that left the booth, they all denied they were interested in a job. They all smiled and said, no, no way. We're not going to work for them. So what is the truth? And the brochures they handed out even targets high school students. Can you believe that? Let me read a bit from the color brochure illustrated with color pictures of people of color. It says, Undergraduate Scholar Program, Attention, high school seniors. If you have a strong academic record and a valid need for college tuition assistance, you could qualify to participate in this summer work program every college year and get a salary even to be a spy. Ah, isn't that wonderful? So the CIA now, I heard that on his website, it even has a, a place for kids to uh, pretend to be spies. Well, here they're targeting high school seniors so they can get a summer job at the CIA when they go to college. Also on Tuesday, there will be a teach-in on the CIA, The Impact of the CIA on the World, a lecture on consciousness by UCI sociology, UCI sociology professor Chuck O'Connell. That is slated for 12.30 to 1.30 on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, at Crystal Cove Auditorium at UCI Student Center on Tuesday. 
and the group will gather at 4 o'clock en masse outside the career center when the CIA recruiters return to this campus. And on this um, week that the CIA returned to campus, they also started taking pictures of students at, the, at UCI. So why is the, UCI, why is the K, uh, CIA uh, taking pictures of students at UCI? What is going on? Why are they spying on our students? What is going on? Uh, if you're interested in uh, getting involved in this, write to subversity at KUCI.org. Uh, we hope to hear from you. Also, next week on Friday will be the premiere of an uh, important independent uh, film about breast cancer among Asian American women. Uh, this film uh, will include portrayals of women who have been afflicted with uh, breast cancer. And if you think that young people don't get breast cancer, that is a myth. One of our colleagues here at uh, KUCI and in UCI uh, passed away last year, uh, Robin Shikia, and uh, we did a memorial program on this program a memorial show on this program uh, in May. And the audio from that program is expected to be part of this movie. Well, next Friday, you can watch this movie in LA. There will be a premiere at the Warner Brothers Studios on at 4000 Warner Boulevard in Burbank. Uh, if you're interested, you can call 213-239-0784. 213-239-0784. Uh, there will be scenes of KUCI and the campus uh, in this video. And the video is called uh, Mothers, Daughters, Sisters. It's put out by a group, a collective, a film collective called Pacific Film Currents, which uh, a few years ago did an uh, independent film on the Japanese-American Brigade in World War II. So that's an uh, event coming up next Friday at 7 o'clock in Los Angeles, and the number is 213-239-0784. If you're interested in watching a movie that will also memorialize Robin Shikia, who worked on rice paper and in a variety of uh, activist uh, projects on this campus, she was a student in comparative literature and also in art history. Um, so that's our news update for today, uh, Friday, October 22nd. Uh, coming up, we're going to take a walk down memory lane and look at uh, an event that happened 20 years ago. But before we go to that, uh, let's play some words from Mumia Abu-Jamal, since today is uh, speaking out against Police Brutality Day, and he is the prime example of the fight against police brutality. Earlier this month, his second appeal was turned down by the U.S. Supreme Court and he has a chance for another appeal, habeas corpus appeal, to claim that his constitutional rights were violated. And that will be set in motion shortly. So let's hear from Mumia Abu-Jamal in a prison on death row. Philadelphia, New York, New Orleans, Los Angeles. In city after city, we find case after case of not only police corruption, but vicious police violence. Young people are beaten, women are assaulted. People who are taught to believe police are their friends find out they are often deadly enemies armed with the power of the state. 
In city after city, police corruption scandals blare across the front pages, telling us of cops who moonlight as drug dealers, sowing the seeds of social poison from their squad cars. The media react with manufactured outrage, and the cycles of corruption reoccur again, again, and again. The recent Mullen Commission hearings held in New York City were but viler, more corrupt echoes of the Knapp Commission hearings into cop corruption a generation before. Cops caught stealing, thieving, and or robbing excite the public mind. But what of cops who brutalize, beat, or kill? How many cops of the hundreds who beat, brutalize, or kill people all across this land are ever prosecuted for their acts? How many are convicted? The numbers are minuscule. The widely reported Rodney King beating case showed us how judges bend over backwards to assure criminal cops that things will be taken care of and they won't be hurt badly if sentenced. The white majority media treat cop stealings as worse offenses than cop killings and by so doing seek to minimize those acts in the public mind. Thus, it is the contention of many cops charged with such offenses that they were only doing their job. Put quite another way, their jobs are to kill, to beat, to brutalize the poor and the powerless, to defend the interests of the rich. That's what they are telling you. When the human rights group Amnesty International recently released a report denouncing New York police brutality against that city's African-American and Latino communities, the white majoritarian media and police hierarchy downplayed it as if the Nobel Prize winning group was interfering. The interests of white majoritarian media converge with the interests of predominantly white police forces in the protection of the status quo. That status quo is, in America, white supremacy and the oppression of peoples of color. And to protect that status quo, it is necessary to look the other way when cops beat, lie on the stand, brutalize the poor and the powerless, or even kill. From death row, this is Mumia Abu-Jamal. So that was Mumia Abu Jamal uh, from Death Row, uh, from an uh, album called uh, Mumia Abu Jamal, uh, Spoken Word, um, put out by um, Virus uh, Records, I guess. Um, we're going to focus now on an uh, event that happened 20 years ago. Uh, it was the first march on gay and lesbian rights in Washington, and there were, it was back in uh, 20 years ago, exactly almost this week, uh, October, in the middle of October. And uh, one of the speakers on the stage was uh, Allen Ginsberg. So let's, uh, let's play what he had to say at this March on Washington, at the Washington Monument Mint in 1979. Oh. people! How can you help yourself? We have come out here to help you to ease your grief-stricken hearts. Fear of gays is claustrophobia, closed mind, violence, accusation, hypocrisy, tough heart, hiding panic. 
this day's gay liberation can mean liberation of heterosexual dignity, social delight, city playfulness, country tolerance, national non-aggression, international charm and spiritedness, enlightened masculine gentleness, feminine mutual affection, granny wisdom's old-fashioned open-mindedness, diversity of the physical body politic, yea, self-acceptance of body, humor of speech, spaciousness, friendliness, sensitivity, the dignity and wisdom of the whole blue sky of the mind we stand under. society that our gay children are not acting out of defiance or self-indulgence. They're being true to their own nature. Our children are fine men and women. And we say to society that the parents and friends of lesbians and gay men will support their children. Look at us! 250,000! in the daylight, in Washington, D.C. No famine, no pestilence, no earthquakes, no floods. Oh, eat your heart out, Anita Bryant. Hey, hey, ho, ho, Anita Bryant's got to go. Nothing could be sweeter than to find a bad is lesbian. Nothing could be finer than her sharing her vagina with a woman. Even if she tried it out for only one day, she'd find out what fun it is to be gay. But instead she saw her civil rights invaded Broward, she's a I believe in how the milk went to the mountain top of America. I believe in how the milk will go to the top of the mountain of discrimination. He'll go to the top of the mountain of oppression. 
We're going to the top of the mountain of psychological and societal debasement. And I believe that Harvey Milk, from the top of that mountain, looked down on Wichita, looked down on Kansas City, looked down on Dade County, looked down on Oklahoma, looked down on Seattle, looked down on Texas, looked down on the Supreme Court and the Congress. And I believe that Harvey Milk saw gay people will one day be full, free, and equal citizens in this country. And it is our responsibility to come out of the wilderness, not to wander and meander and linger in the wilderness, the wilderness of despair, but to come out and realize the dream, realize the promised land, and gather our strength, our fortitude, our creativity, our initiative, and our hope, and go into that promised land of dignity, pride, and respect. Taylor's, I wish I knew how it feels to be free. I never thought that I would ever see anything like this. Um, I would cry if I were, if I were the type. We Can I talk to you about love? Uh, that's why we're here, isn't it? May I remind you that love is against the law? That love, as we know it, is a criminal activity? That lovemaking involves illegal acts? We are here because we have committed them. And we enjoyed them enormously. We are an army of lovers. That is a fearful thing. We are the only minority group also that you can join overnight. In the twinkling of an eye, in fact. have committed the crime of loving. We are freedom with more risks than servitude ever offered. We dared to know pleasure. May I say pleasure again? I don't think it's been mentioned much today. We had guts enough to love. They tried to cover this with guilt, shame, dishonor. They made it as awful for us as they could, but it was wonderful. It is getting more wonderful. <laughs> Fellow criminals, never forget your nights in the days of your fighting for their freedom. Remember this experience. It is the tenderest, finest moment of our lives. And in the clamor for our civil rights, always remember that they never granted them nor withdrew them. They only stole them. 
And remember most of all that we have so much more to give them than they have ever taken from us. We have been places. We have known things, seen, suffered, feared, felt, experienced. I speak. Ecstasy, hell, wonder. Light shining, highly mechanized. All through our illegal place, acts. A dark temple. They have brought us the full richness of the human experience. Our freedom, finally, when they understand it at last, is theirs. So keep loving, keep making love, and soon there will be enough. Thank you. Well, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I don't believe one of these stories I've heard About them raiding our pubs for no reason at all And lining the customers up by the wall Picking out people, knocking them down Resisting arrest as they're kicked on the ground Searching the houses and calling them queer I don't believe that sort of thing happens here
sing if you're happy that way. Hey, sing if you're glad to be gay. Just sing if you're happy this way. Uh, that was uh, that was Tom R Robinson at the um, Tom Robinson who was uh, who also spoke at this rally in 1979. But that's from an album that he did uh, called "On Glad to Be Gay." Um, and uh, the, you earlier heard uh, in in this sequence, you heard Allen Ginsberg speak at the rally uh, in 1979. Uh, Alan uh, Ali Scott, an activist, uh, Richard Ashworth. And Florence Flo Kennedy, who's a longtime uh, consumer activist, um, and uh, we're gonna now go back to this recording of the 1979 National March in Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, uh, and um, play some more of, uh, of the speakers, and then we'll come back and talk. Uh, but before I do that, let's play a disclaimer. The opinions and views expressed in this program by no means reflect those of UCI, its staff, or the Board of Regents of the University of California. This, we're back to Subversity here on KUCI uh, with Dan Zhang. Uh, we, we're going to hear now uh, another speaker from the uh, rally uh, in 1979, uh, almost exactly 20 years ago. I want them to hear you say, we are everywhere! We are everywhere! We are everywhere! We There's no other questions to be answered. this will bring people together, and it has, so we can get some kind of grassroots uh, gay and lesbian movements throughout the nation. I'm from Bismarck, North Dakota, and I'm out here marching with these people because we have to show them that we're everywhere. Hey! 
Hi. Um, we're going to go back to this uh, recording of the uh, 1979 march and uh, uh, see um, and play, play some more excerpts from the um, recording. Uh, but first, let's uh, talk about the march uh, in 1979. Uh, I was there, and we marched right through a uh, black neighborhood of Washington, D.C. and Chinatown. The first time gay people uh, marched through Chinatown or the black neighborhoods of uh, the nation's capital. And um, before this march on Washington, there was also a people of Third World People of Color conference uh, at uh, Harvard University in Washington, D.C. And um, at the keynote address at that conference, uh, the keynoter was uh, the famous poet uh, Audrey Lord, and here's what she had to say: uh, I wish to applaud every one, every single one of you sitting here tonight. Uh, this was given on October 13, 20 years ago. It is a wonderful and profound experience to see row about upon row of us gathered here, for we are the proof of the power of vision. The ignorance will end when each of us begins to seek out and trust the knowledge deep inside us when we dared to go into that chaos, chaos which exists before understanding and come back with new tools for action and change. For it is from within that deep knowledge that our visions are fueled, and it is our vision which says, which lays the groundwork for our actions and for our future. This conference is an affirmation of the power of vision. And, uh, so this was uh, this is an excerpt from a uh, long speech that uh, Audrey Lord gave at the conference, and it appears in issue number six of uh, Gay Insurgent, a magazine we have at the UCI library uh, that I uh, was editing at the time. Uh, there was also another speech given by a sister Tana Loy uh, at the um, at the Third World Conference, and uh, she says uh, in her speech that uh, we uh, are sisters and brothers and sisters and brothers in ways that only we who are third world lesbians and gay men can know uh, because we live it every day of our lives, because there are attacks, there are attacks all around, and it's, it may mean we don't have child care, it may mean we, don't, we get lousy medical care or no medical care, or that we don't have jobs or that we go to bed hungry. Um, so this was a sister from... Um, from uh, the West, Co the East Coast, actually talking at this conference uh, in 1979 in October. Um, it says uh, he, she said, uh, it is something extremely important, and that is that in the context of this history-making conference, we Asians, gay Asians, and that means Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Indonesian, Vietnamese, wherever we're from, Guam, Korea, Malaysia, whether we're Indian, whether we're Pakistani. We have, for the first time, for many of us, with open hearts and minds, run towards each other. And we all know that for a third world lesbian gay man to do something that personal is highly political. And it is very much as though we had been in a wasteland and we were thirsty. And someone had, another Asian had, a drop of water. And we saw that we wanted it and we couldn't take it. But today we are going toward each other and we are sharing our strength with each other and with all our brothers and sisters here today. You know something? You know we're not that quiet and reserved Asian. We don't clean those clothes every day, 24 hours a day. We're not that model minority 
and oh, uh, oh no, we're not, uh, oh no, we're silent, but why are we silent? We're silent even from each other by the racism and sexism that exists in this country that manifests itself in the fears and frustrations that keep our own people in the closet as Asians and as lesbians and gay men. Um, so that was another talk that was given at this conference that preceded the major march on Washington. Uh, and at the march, uh, another sister, uh, Margaret Cornell, a Japanese-American uh, poet from Vermont spoke. And she actually talked at the Washington Monument before this crowd of uh, 20,000 or whatever. And uh, she says that, uh, here's what she had, in part, what she had to say. It says, I'm in awe of this moment and what it can mean for Asian American lesbians and gay men. America has called us the model minority and has claimed we are 200% Americans. The truth is that we are less than half of 1% of the population of this country. And because of the lies that the American media perpetrates about us, we have difficulty in impacting even third world lesbians and gay men. We are called the modern minority, the quiet, passive, exotic erotics with or the small dick to match our small size, but we are not. For years, Asian Americans have organized under uh, against our oppression. We protested and were lynched, deported, and put into concentration camps during World War II. We must not forget that the U.S. of A has bombed, napalmed, and colonized Asian countries for decades. Thus, it was possible to America to bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki and to continue to economically colonize and rape Asian countries. It could rape and murder Vietnamese women, children, and men, and then claim that Asians don't value human life. I'm an Asian mother, an uh, Asian woman, a mother, and a lesbian, she said, um, because these things are difficult to put into a neat package because I am genuinely different, I know that I live in the face of this country's determination to destroy me, to negate me, to render me invisible. And the reality is that non-Asian Americans are ignorant of our existent existence. And we share the same problems that other third world lesbians and gay men share because of fear of deportation, because of Asian American dependence on our ch families and Asian American communities for support, it is very difficult to be out of the closet, to come out of the closet. For not to do so would be living a lie. Uh, but we need to come out of the closet. For not to do so would be living a lie. And the great lie, which is America, can use that weakness, uh, which, which is America. Uh, and the great lie, which is America, can use that weakness not only to destroy Asian American lesbians and gay men, but also our third world lesbian and gay sisters and brothers. And she says, we have a right to our sexuality, to our love, and to our racial identities. Um, so that was uh, another uh, talk given at the march on Washington. Um, and let's go back and let's play the other side of this recording and bring you a basically a contemporary recording of this march 20 years ago. Freedom, 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 
I'm Robin Tally, and I'm from West Hollywood. Hi, I'm Steve from San Francisco. My name's Rick, I'm from Denver. I'm Trina from Sonoma County. My name is Betty, and I'm from Oakland. My name is Dan, I live in Forestville, California. I'm Eugene, I'm from San Francisco. My name's Evan, and I'm from San Francisco, too. I've been there in the area my whole life. I'm Dan from Australia. My name's Frank, and I'm from Anderson, which is in Chester. This is Bloom, I'm from Sacramento. My name is Tom, I'm living in L.A. now. This is Reverend Troy Perry, and I'm from West Hollywood, California. My name is Tori Osborne, and I currently live in San Francisco. This is Rick Kelly in Minneapolis. Um, when I approached Troy Perry, I thought that while a train was going across Mid-America, it would be a good chance to reach out to the grassroots people that could not participate in Washington so that we could kind of do the Roosevelt tour and stop and speak to people across the country who could not participate in that way do outreach into uh, all kinds of cities. And so I think that's what the train is about. It's definitely a freedom train where if gay people and lesbians can't get to us, we are getting to them. responses at every city, people throwing flowers when we stopped off in Fort Wayne and, and uh, people getting up at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, they had to get up in Salt Lake, Lake to get to Ogden at 6, Utah, and um, partly it's just a sense of, of momentum of sharing with other people like yourself, but having to combat real life. I think if the gay people would disperse Dispersed. We've all been involved in those incidents where people, straight people, wouldn't sit next to us in the, in the car. And what's been wonderful to me is that, by and large, the conductors and the mater d' and so forth have been on our side. I mean, last night we saw the mater d' or the conductor put on a Washington gay march of Washington button. My name is Jesse Coleman. I worked for the railroad 29 years, 29 too long but this is the best trip I had. And the Mater D was willing to get in a fist fight for our right to, to not be discriminated against and to watch those little battles being fought within this, this space, this enclosed space is wonderful. And I just feel like, I mean, as, an, as a media event, as a happening, I think it's terrific. I think the major difference like, between gay people and straight people is that they have a different history. Their history is, is a lot different. And that, that is, in my feeling, the only difference there is between gays and straights, is their difference in history. Gay people don't have a culture, as like black people have. They don't have the, that support that other, other cultures, um, the Jewish um, people, the black people, um, 
have a certain background, they have a, a culture that gives them a certain amount of support. Gay people don't have that. That's what we're, we're in the process of building now. That's why I like the March in Washington is, is like a part of that, is a part of our culture. Till you've seen Ogden, Utah at 6 a.m. in the morning. Well, I heard there was supposed to be somebody on the tracks out here. My, my name is Reverend Robert L. Harris. Harris, huh? Mighty right, mighty right, mighty right. Yeah, I've already done it. I laid on the tracks, yes. The, the, this is a religious state. They appreciate me doing something like this. You, you have no rights. Yeah, you, you have no rights. What, the only, only right you have is to turn to the Lord. Morning, God. Taking the Lord with you. God loves everybody. God loves you. The only reason you're here is that you're so running for mayor of Ogden, and this is a publicity stunt, and you are... I'm out. The power of God is against you. You are just you are degrading the good name of Jesus Christ to the God. The Lord... The Lord is talking to you through me. Repent of your sin. The power of God is against you. This is a recording. This is a recording. This is a recording. Uh, that was uh, a cut from uh, side two of this uh, album on the March on Washington in 1979 uh, with uh, recordings taken on a so-called gay freedom train that went from, I guess, uh, East Coast, uh, West Coast to East Coast, uh, kind of uh, contemporary recordings of uh, people on the train and, and near the train, I guess. Um, we're going to now play, uh, take a little break, and uh, we'll be right back. Tune in to Cartoon Pleroma, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. to hear discussions on UFOs, near-death experiences, altered states of consciousness, Portiana, Gnosticism, and the occult. That's Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've been listening to Subversity here on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, the opinions expressed on this uh, program are not necessarily those of the regents of the university nor of management of KUCI. Um, we've been uh, taking a stroll down memory lane, uh, looking uh, and listening to looking. I mean, listening to a recording of uh, speeches made at this uh, rally uh, in 1979. The demands at that rally. Uh, sound maybe different or maybe similar to subsequent demands at subsequent matches. There were five uh, main demands. Uh, pass a comprehensive gay and lesbian rights bill in Congress. Issue a presidential executive order banning discrimination based on sexual orientation in the federal government, the military, and federally contracted private employment. Repeal all anti-lesbian gay laws. Uh, anti-lesbian, anti-gay laws, uh, end discrimination in lesbian mother and gay father uh, custody cases, and protect lesbian and gay youth from any laws which are used to discriminate against, oppress, and or harass them in their homes, schools, jobs, and social environments. And that last one was uh, 
uh, a kind of a hidden reference to trying to lower the age of consent so that it matches uh, what is uh, the same, what, what is the case for heterosexual youth. Uh, what a, a different time period that was. And, uh, and uh, the uh, people at the march uh, uh, included, um, as we listened earlier, uh, poet Allen Ginsberg, uh, Tom Robinson, who uh, was from the Tom Robinson band, and we played his uh, album, Glad to be Gay, uh, and uh, also uh, other uh, personalities from the period and since uh, Kate Millett and Robin Tyler. Um, in the post-march uh, post period, there was a, a kind of a lot of uh, excitement. And uh, this is captured by one article that I'll read to you, uh, written by Richard Fong, who is now a, um, a major uh, video maker in uh, Canada. Um, she wrote, he wrote this piece uh, reflecting on the days of, this, uh, of these conferences and marches uh, in 1979. It says, he says, I feel like a fortune cookie in a tray of cheese danishes. I can't grow a mustache. Mustache. I don't make a convincing cowboy. I am stuck with the costume I was born with. It's a costume because I've only been to Asia on holidays, and I don't speak any Asian language. Yet someone can tell me seriously that he really gets off on Orientals. Gay society in North America, organized and commercial, is framed around the young middle-class white male he is its customer and its product. Blacks, Asians, and Latin Americans are the oysters in this meat market. At best, we are a quaint specialty for exotic tastes. Native people aren't even on the shelves. To make our voices heard, non-white lesbians and gay men have organized. When Will the Ignorance End was the theme of the first National Third World Gay Conference held in Washington, D.C., October 12 to 15. This is back in 1979. Sponsored by the National Coalition of Black Gays, it brought together over 500 men and women to talk, sing, dance, and discover, to discover our history, to learn, to organize. The homophobia of our ethnic community, communities and the subtle racism of the gay community combined to isolate us and produce a kind of cultural schizophrenia. But in Washington, for the first time, I was both gay and non-white, and in the majority, the experience was energizing. Uh, this I'm quoting from um, Richard Fong uh, in an article he originally wrote for the Body Politic, which was a um, liberation paper in uh, in Toronto, and it's reprinted in this issue of uh, Gay Insurgent Number no. Six, summer of 1980. Uh, he says we march when we march from the conference site through the Black community in Chinatown to join the first National Gay Rights March. Many of us were showing gay pride to our communities for the first time. I remember the smiles and waves of two old black women as we passed the bus stop, the veiled curiosity of early risers, early risers in Chinatown, and the speech uh, by a Japanese-American lesbian mother who told the giant national rally that America and American gay movement must deal with its racism. When will the ignorance end when there are so many native, native, uh, Latin native, Asian and black gay men and lesbians organized and out that no amount of whitewashing or straight lacing can keep us hidden. Washington was just the beginning. So that was uh, Richard Fung's uh, reflections on the first march on Washington and the first uh, Third World People of Color Conference 
at Howard University uh, 20 years ago. Um, let's play uh, some more music from uh, from the uh, the album we have, and uh, we can let's actually we could play. Let's read replay this piece by Tom Robinson, and uh, yeah, let's do that. I speak from Pennsylvania's death row. <laughs> when Nigerian environmental and native rights activist oh, Ken Sarawiwa was sorry about that uh, technical problems here. We uh, we're gonna play this uh, CD in a sec. Um, We're listening to Subversity on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll, um, let's, uh, we'll get back to this uh, in a second. The opinions and views expressed in this program by no means reflect those of UCI, its staff, or the Board of Regents of the University of California. Nightmare 
they blame on the gays. It's brutal and lethal and slowly invades. The medical facts are ignored or forgot by the bigots who think it's the judgment of God. Attacked by the Vatican, bashed by the bill, with cheap politicians all making a kill. The message is simple and obvious, please. Just lay off the patience and let's fight the disease. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. Hey, sing if you're glad to be gay. Just sing if you're happy that way. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. Hey, sing if you're glad to be gay. Just sing if you're happy this way. Uh, that was Tom Robinson uh, of the Tom Robinson Band. Uh, who played at this uh, March on Washington in 1979, um, back 20 years ago this week. Um, today is uh, Protest Police Brutality Day, and we're going to end our show today, which looked back at 20 years ago with a contemporary contemporary event, um, the imprisonment of uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal in uh, Pennsylvania uh, jail, a prison. And we'll end w with some words from him. I speak from Pennsylvania's death row, a bright, shining, highly mechanized hell. In this place, a dark temple to fear, an altar of political ambition. Death is a campaign poster, a stepping stone to public office. In this space and time, in this dark hour, how many of us are not on death row? From death row, this is Mumia Abu-Jamal. Uh, so that was uh, Mumia speaking from Death Row. Uh, his uh, recordings of uh, his, um, uh, you know, his uh, perspective was submitted to National Public Radio, but uh, banned from the airwaves. And so it is alternative stations that, like uh, KUCI, that you can hear the voice of the oppressed. So stay tuned to um, KUCI, and uh, where you can hear material that you wouldn't hear anywhere else and uh, also um, you can speak out and uh, protest whatever you want here on KUCI. Um, hopefully we bring people together uh, and work on uh, social change issues. been listening to Subversity with Dan Zhang, a KUCI 88.9 FM public affairs program that penetrates the orange curtain. You can find us on the web www.kuci.org slash tilde dtsang slash subversity or you can send us email at subversity at kuci.org.
You are tuned in to Swoop Transmissions on KCI 88.9.